0: Them on all things crime, whether it be on the page, on the screen, on the street, or in the courtroom. I'm Matt Coyle, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series, and I'll be your host for as long as it takes. My guest tonight, Pam Stack, is the host of the Authors on the Air and executive producer of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and sort of my boss, at least in this instance. She's a voracious <laughs> leader of more, a reader of more than 400 books a year in most genres and a great friend to mystery authors. She, she claims to be owned by five rescued felines who remind her that she's not all that and is endlessly fascinated by creative people in the arts. Pam is an internationally awarded advocate for victims of domestic violence and a certified victim advocate. Welcome, Pam Stack.
1: Thank you, Matt. Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: My pleasure. I'm glad we finally were able to do this I've been wanting to do it for a while. Um, my music sounded a little out of- wonky.
1: You ran you 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 uh, ran out of people to ask, right? And so you figured, oh right. well I we'll asked see-
0: you uh fifteen minutes ago, I think, but it was nice of you to come <laughs> on. Come
1: and on. I agree. I even Here's got to you up you about on Facebook
0: my- on Wednesday, which is like a day early for me.
1: That's great. Um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm glad you asked, even though it was fifteen minutes ago and I know it's because all your friends are out of town and you didn't have anyone else to talk to. And you know I don't date, so I'm I'm happy to be here well, with you. <laughs> well, you
0: know me long enough to know that I don't have any friends, so so this is something I actually do not know, and so I will ask it: When did you start Authors on the air, and where did the idea come from?
1: Well, it actually wasn't my idea. Um, hmm. I came to social media very late, and um the first thing I did after the obligatory friending of my you know high school and college friends mm-hmm. and family. Was go and friend request authors because I like to read so much and I find authors fascinating. It's amazing to me that anyone can write a book. So, and that was at a time. To when, <laughs> well, that was at a time that, uh, you know, writers were accepting friend requests from people. They had a lot of interaction. You weren't checking to make sure that, you know, we weren't worried about trolls and things like that. And I happened to meet a woman who landed on a lot of the same author pages as I I did, and we ended up talking. She lived about three hours from me, and um, she said, Listen, I do this Internet radio show, and why don't you come be my co-host? And I said, Okay. I had no idea what she was talking about because I am such a tech twit. So she'd say, Okay, I'll send you an email, and in the email you're going to find a box with the date, the time, and a phone number, and you just call that number, and you'll be on the radio with me. And I said, Okay. Okay. So it turned out to be off and on the Air, and um, we were having a great time. We kind of built ourselves as smart and sassy. I was the sassy one, she was the smart one, and um, proceeded to interview all these wonderful authors that we both loved. And after about six months, she said to me, You know, I'm really, I don't want to continue this show. I want to, you know, do something else. You want to do like a very spiritual, intuitive, Zen type of a show. Oh. And I said, Okay. So I bought the rights from her and just thought I'd do it as a hobby, and then um, after a couple months, I decided to see if I could make it into a network. So we formed a corporation, got a board of directors, and that's how I started, eight years ago.
0: So, eight years ago, and how long, do mm-hmm. you have any idea how long she was going on before uh, before that? She'd
1: been, on, she'd been on about maybe three or four months before. And, um, yeah, so, um, we had a hundred Facebook friends and maybe a thousand listens at that time. And so I decided to see if we could grow this into something. And, you know, here we are eight years later, 30 shows, 3 million listeners and readers in 40 countries and a million plus collective social media followers. So I guess it's kind of been a success.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and of course you become independently wealthy from all the um
1: oh. Oh, revenue. Sure. <laughs> Which is why I work another job. I actually have two other businesses, so um this is still a labor of love for me and um I feel very honored and blessed every time I get to speak to a writer like you and others. Oh
0: come on. Come on now. Um Not really. So you took this, this the idea this woman had. I I've called I've called you the inventor, so um, I'll probably be sued. But you've taken this um, idea this woman had and you just ran wild with it. What were some of the what have been and if they continue, some of the roadblocks along the way?
1: Well, um, for one thing, you know I was fully funding it myself, and I wanted to get the word out of, that we had these five really great shows, one for every night of the week and um, with very diverse voices. And so I had been kind of Um, semi-retired. I had been taking care of my parents before they died, and I was semi-retired. And I thought, you know, I really want to do this the right way. So it was very expensive, first of all, to do marketing because podcasting was just in its infancy at that time. And even though, like you, I was doing a live show, I still do, Everybody did a live show. There was only really a couple places where you could go to hear podcasts, and even then, like on SoundCloud, it was mostly music. Mm-hmm. So that was the challenge, reaching out and, and finding listeners who wanted to hear what we had to say, who were book lovers. And um, and all the shows were very good. Paul Vine was actually one of my first uh, hosts. Ooh. And um, he was a great boy, like and, you. Yeah, I'll tell you. Well, Paul and I have actually known each other since the first book came out. We knew each other in Miami. Wow. So uh, we were at lunch one day at Joe's Stone Crab in Miami. I was telling him about it. <clears throat> he said, I to do a show. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> That's kind of how it happened. But the challenges of it were keeping it fresh, um, making sure that we could have access to the best authors we could find, and Also, for indie authors and debut novelists, in my vision, it was really important that we allowed everybody to have a chance, because as publishing has consolidated and you have these five big powerhouses for publishing, you also Uh, had the outliers, the smaller imprints, and we wanted to be able to make sure everybody had a chance to to market themselves and to talk about their books.
0: Nice. And... How So you start When you jumped out of the gate You had five shows Right away You didn't just do Your show No I
1: didn't I had just my show For about three months And then um, I do my best brainstorming In the evening And so one night I was thinking You know How can we make this grow How can I get serious About this And And um, Grow this thing And and So I always have A pad of legal paper Next to me Near On every tape Surface so that I can write down ideas. And I got up and I thought, you know, I think I'm going to turn this into the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And um, my brother is an attorney, so he helped me to uh, create the corporation. We wrote up all the paperwork we needed, including the mission statement. And he formed the board of directors for me so that we had a fully flushed and intact um, program and a business. And after that, I went about thinking, how am I going to get hosts? And so I looked at some of my friends on Facebook who had very diverse interest in reading and who I thought were particularly compelling and interesting and intelligent. And I approached them with the idea of of hosting a show, not only to grow the network, but also for their own benefit, too, so that those who were writers had also a way to, to promote
0: themselves. Hey, Damn, hold no. on a sec. I'm, okay. I've got the I had when I had uh, Dick Belsky last year, I'm calling the show. We're going to do it from my phone. So let me see if it works.
1: Oops. Damn. Okay, so anyway, about the Authors on the sure Air, uh, Authors on the Air is a big network of shows. I can hear you. Can you hear me? All
0: right. All right. Yes, ma'am. Okay. We're good. All right. she you she feel sick I like overcame
1: that? Yeah. So I, um, I, I don't know what happened, but I'm glad you got back on because I was going to have to take over your show and interview myself. Well,
0: you've done it before. <laughs>
1: So that's All how it right, started. So I just, you know, I just wrote down names. I asked people to come on, and the show started. I think I've created um, probably 50, uh, 50 shows over f- over the period of eight years. You know, some stay a season. Some have been with me for mm-hmm. a long, long time. Um, we added um, uh, a review group, so now we review books. We have a page right. just for book reviews. We we uh, published a book. And um, we continue to grow. It's really exciting. It's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. It's, so you have a reach of three million listeners across the globe, and that's for listening live, listening on podcast later, all the different options, right? Right. So what do you, what do you think that translates down to a little show, like say maybe Crime Corner? What would be an average weekly for uh, or biweekly listeners for?
1: Well, you know, we I try to look at weekly numbers. It's hard when you have that many shows. Some shows are weekly shows. Some are every other week. Some are once a month. But the average show reaches anywhere from 100,000 to 250,000 people within a seven-day period.
0: That's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, because we're we're spread out so far. First of all, you know, we collectively try to support each other, as you know. Everybody posts everybody's shows, and we we try to bring everybody on board, but also our review team does a really good job of reviewing guest books. And so there's a double bang there. They get anywhere from a thousand to 35,000 organic likes for one book review. Yeah. 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 yeah, They're very, very good at what they do. And, um, you know, some people, some, because I don't have anything to do with that team. Uh, The director of that team, Kay Hutcherson, uh, makes Mm -hmm. files available for her entire staff. I don't even know all her staff. And sometimes a -hmm. book will be reviewed four or five times, which is nice. It's it's a nice thing to offer to our guests and to our hosts, who, as you know, are all authors except for me.
0: Right. Um, So just a quick – how many people – how many authors do you think you've interviewed over the eight years you've been doing this?
1: I think now it's about
0: 1,200. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and uh, a lot of us, you've uh, interviewed multiple times.
1: Yep, sure have. I started off interviewing once a week, or actually once every other week, and then when I took over, I was doing this once a week, and then um, I was fascinated as I started to receive um, advanced reader copies, you know, galleys from publishers, because yeah. that took a long time to establish ourselves too. Um, I found that there were more people that I was very interested in, and more conferences I went to. It remind me to tell you about my first conference, but um, uh, and so mm-hmm. I started interviewing more than once a week, and and there was a point where I was interviewing like ten times a week, and it was too much. Even yeah. as recently as about a year ago, I had to just stop. It was I wasn't making any sense, and it wasn't fun. But I usually average three shows a week. This next week, I'll do yeah. six
0: shows. You know. That's amazing. You yeah. uh, you mentioned arcs, and you sort of you segued into my next question, um, which is you state you read 400 books a year. But, but I imagine there's books you pick up that you can't read through. You know, you can't you can't finish them. Right. So right. what makes you put what makes you put a book down, and what makes you continue to turn the page on a book late at night, long after your 50 cats have gone to bed?
1: <laughs> I that's where they stay up and read with me. Um we're we're usually ah. snuggled on the sofa together. But uh well there are two things. First of all, there are some genres I just don't read. I don't read horror because I'm a wuss. Um I also mm. don't read anything historical unless it's fantasy. So um I'm mm. I'm not Historable about fantasy. Yeah. So most fantasy is based in fairy tales and um not very many fantasy unless it's um urban punk or dystopian but fantasy is usually based in the past and it's a world that's created unto its own uh so i really really love to read fantasy i love mysteries um thrillers suspense i like contemporary romance or humorous romance i like science fiction steampunk you know things like that um What makes me read a book, first of all, is, and I I say this all the time, I have an embarrassment of riches. I probably receive 50 books a week from publishers or through NetGalley. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. so the first few pages really have to grab my attention. I have to, you know, I I don't ever read to the end. I don't read the ending first. I want to read the synopsis. It's got to be of interest to me. And then Mm -hmm. the pages in the very beginning of the book have to grab me right away. Sadly, one of the things that happens is that because I read so much, um, the thing that makes the biggest difference in a book for me is that if there are multiple characters speaking, if there's dialogue, I want to be Mm -hmm. able to identify who the character is without the author saying, Matt said this, Pam said that you yeah. know? I, I think right. that the tone, the, the timbre, the cadence the vocabulary used by characters is so important so if I can't differentiate between the characters then there's a problem and I'm not interested uh, because again, I don't have to read that book, it doesn't mean I want to interview the author it, it just means I'm not going to re- read the book so I, I just finished my NetGalley, or bringing my NetGalley up to date. And since uh, this time last year, I had 500 reviews on NetGalley. That doesn't prelude my print books, so um, of which I have an entire room full. I've, well, my whole house is a library, actually.
0: Right.
1: But um, you know, it's gotta it's gotta be an interesting story. I wanna I want it to be a story I haven't heard before. And there are some that stand out in my mind that that are winners, which is why we do an awards at the end of every year.
0: Yeah, which is also a pretty cool thing. Um, yeah. Although I'm not familiar with them. Uh, so, <laughs> aside from, <laughs> inter- aside, from inter- uh, aside from interviewing me, uh-huh. who have been your big gets for interviews, and and who is still out there you haven't interviewed yet, but would really like them?
1: Well. Um, I love talking to you because I love hearing um, about Rick Cahill. Well, I love hearing about his character changes. He's evolved so much since the first book, and I you know, have been gifted from the publisher with your new book, which will be out at the end of the year, but um, and I like the title, by the way. Um, James W. Hall uh, was one of the first interviews that I felt like I did a really good job. And um, I see Jim when I'm in Miami, or you know, see him at, usually at Miami Book Fair. He's just to me an exquisite writer, and um, I also have interviewed um, Jeff Deaver, who you know I'm very fond of. The first yeah. interview was really cool with him, and and every time I, since, I had the great honor of interviewing michael Connolly at Bouchercon last year I, that I was, was a there list of, yes i know you were that was a bucket list moment for me to have him go in yeah, there and cool. yeah there are so many there are so many who write in in romance um susan elizabeth phillips is probably my favorite in romance um i i've interviewed her she won an award one year for best romance i've met her at an rwa um you know, I'd love to interview Jim Butcher because I I love his mm. fantasy. I love everything he writes. You know, and um, I'd love to interview Stephen yeah. King. Uh, although every time I huh? <laughs> every time I call public or write to the publicist, she kind of writes back, ha ha ha. Um, I love Preston Child. Doug and Link are so much fun. Um, and you I, have not interviewed
0: him yet. Pardon me. You've not interviewed him yet.
1: Oh, I've interviewed President Chab several times.
0: Okay.
1: And I've had but, the great honor. So, so of having, um, I'm sorry?
0: No, go ahead. I
1: have had the great honor of having James Lee Burke on three times. Every January he comes. I interviewed him one time and realized that I wasn't smart enough to interview him again. So the second <laughs> time I asked um Russell Blake to interview him. It was a transcendent moment for me listening to that interview. And then this past January, Revis Wortham interviewed him again.
0: He's a brilliant man. Well, what would make you not smart enough to interview him?
1: Well, his writing is so ethereal to me. I, um, I, you know, he's such a brilliant man, and he knows so much. He's, 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 um, he's a real historian too. But his, he's just brilliant, and I, I'm not that brilliant. <laughs> I'm a girl who reads genre, you know, fiction. He's just an amazing man, and I learn something new. I learn something new every time I speak to someone, so I'm really lucky. You know, I'm in awe of writers, Matt. I just really am, and really any creative well, people.
0: You, you should be. Um, <laughs> so do you sometimes? Do you sometimes get stuck? I mean, this is real. I mean, do you sometimes get kind of stuck interviewing some people you'd rather not, but the publisher or the publicist has made a real push?
1: Um, occasionally, you know, I'll say this really isn't in my wheelhouse, but you've been really good to me. And so, uh, I'll go ahead and do the interview. That does not mean that I don't do my research. I will absolutely go and research. I do a lot of research before my shows. So I'll mm-hmm. absolutely go and research. I'll read what people are saying. I read what reviewers are saying. I read what, um, you know, the, the publications are saying about the book Just because it's not something I would normally read, does not mean I don't find interest in the writer themselves. Uh, So I will occasionally interview, but you know there are a lot of people out there who write spectacular books that I just don't like, and I also try to share all the really big authors with everybody else. You know, it's not I'm I'm not I don't get them first, you know, because I have a tendency to want to interview. Independent or small press or debut yeah. novelist. I really like yeah. doing that. I like seeing, you know, why they're writing and who inspired them. Those those things are real important to me. And it's an unlevel playing field, so I want to kind of give a little bit of help to to debuts in the business.
0: Well, you interviewed. It was either it was certainly the first live interview I ever did was with you. And I was yep. so, I was so nervous I was so nervous, but uh, I, I'm not as nervous anymore on the interview again. But um, but I'm forever <laughs> grateful for that, and I'm also very grateful that you continue to bring me on. And you gave me a show, so this obviously for this question, there's no way we're going to name names. But have you ever had some an author where you just love his or her work, and then you get them on, and the interview is kind of a dud?
1: Oh my goodness!
0: I obviously I, obviously can't name
1: anybody, a, but I, I won't. But I will tell you this. I read a David book by Putnam? Uh, did, no, <laughs> I love Dave Putnam. You know that. <laughs> I'll say that you guys are really good friends. Um, I, want to, I want to
0: see. if he's listening.
1: <laughs> well, I had a guy who had written his a debut novel. It was a really cute novel, and I liked it a lot. And in you know, looking at his bio and all, he had done some I don't know some kind of like stand-up comedy show on HBO or one of those things oh, wow. on television. have television. So anyway. <laughs> Um, he comes on the show. He was absolutely obnoxious. He called me an effing idiot because I asked him to oh. do tell me a joke. <laughs> he says, what are you, stupid? Don't you know that you don't ever ask a comedian for a joke? I didn't know that. I said, well, see, learn something new every day.
0: Well, just shut up and think one up.
1: <laughs> so,
0: I mean, come on, just, dude. That's your, uh, that's your so, work.
1: It's Okay. One of my other hosts came on afterward. He was doing a promo for his new show and told the nastiest joke I've ever heard in my life. And we I was screaming and yelling so loud, I was laughing, that I thought, oh, I hope when this guy listens to his podcast, he'll hear this. <laughs> but really stick but it to there me. are other people who are just downright nasty in social media, and I really don't want to interview them. Right. Ask, you know. No, so yeah, I think there's, that, no,
0: there's no need for that
1: yeah if you're you know be nice to people who are potentially going to read your book, and especially I just,
0: yeah. yeah yeah, it
1: doesn't make any sense to me to be nasty. um one of the romance writers commented that she hated readers who went to use bookstores to to buy books, and oh, I thought, you know that's a springboard for for going to libraries and going to bookstores to get more books. that's how I started reading.
0: Well, we're not going to get into the nastiness of the, of the romance writers. We don't want to get into that, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's universally a, known. A, just,
1: just kidding. It's all over the place, though. There are a lot of prejudices about, you know, about buying. I mean, I'm an indiscriminate shopper, Matt. I, if I go by a yard sale and someone has a book for twenty-five cents that I haven't read, I'm buying it. You know, because what are they going to do? Throw the book away? To me, that's a sacrilege. So. My shelves are filled with books that are used and new and you know old and tattered and worn and beloved and There are books that I read over and over again so um no where... read... hmm?
0: oh, I'm sorry, go ahead no, you ask your question do you do even... do you have a garage?
1: I don't, but I have um
0: a very what large is your
1: well. So here's the thing. I, like I said, I have an embarrassment of riches. I have five Kindles that are all by genre, and Kindle's oh. hold thousands of books. But I also mm-hmm. have about twenty five hundred signed editions that are spread out throughout my my apartment. I have my second wow. bedroom is a dedicated library. It's nothing but bookshelves everywhere. Books are everywhere. Well, where
0: do you my, do? Where do you do the show from?
1: Uh, I sit in my living room. Okay. But it's it's books yeah. everywhere. There are books stacked up on tables. They're on, you know, on, <laughs> the, uh, they're on plant shelves. They're on counters. Books. I have a, two bookcases in my living room and dining room. I have books everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what happens is when I find myself getting a lot of duplicates of books because sometimes I'll get the galley and then sometimes I'll get the finished product, I'll go ahead and take one or the other, depends on the galley and the book, and I send them out to listeners and readers. I usually do a giveaway, you know, a couple times a year. So a couple month and a half ago, I sent out 100 books. Everybody got a chance to pick two.
0: That's great. That's so great, also, for, a, that's great I, for the author, too.
1: Well, I, I also... Um, I drop I drop them off at food banks because people can't afford to eat, can't afford to read, they can't buy books. So I drop them off at women's shelters, you know. And and I anybody who needs books, I give them to them.
0: Very cool. Yeah, because you oh, just know you yeah. can keep them all.
1: I can't. So, and I can't keep duplicates either, and I don't keep the ones I don't read.
0: No. Yeah. No. Let's go to the library for me. <laughs> um, so let's look five yard, five years in the future. Do you have a grand scheme for um, authors on the air? What do you What do you envision the network to be, or are you you just it's going to be where it is? Where it well,
1: is. I I have a tendency to have a forward dream for the future, but I really work best when I'm looking at shorter term goals. Uh, I think mm-hmm. they're more attainable. They're more realistic. So I right now am developing four other shows to start. Um, we're <laughs> working on on changing our website. It'll be more user and listener mm-hmm. friendly. Um, mm-hmm. I I want to expand our div- to be a n- more diverse network with more uh, people of color and mm-hmm. um, even a Spanish language show. I'd love to have. So uh, and I would like to have more nonfiction. you know we have yeah. for nonfiction shows, but um I'd like to expand that. so anyone who's listening if you you think you could host a show, find me. call me and we'll talk. <laughs> and so <laughs> I love people who have a different p o v from me or have a you know a different way of looking at things than i just I want everybody to be involved, so that's my I guess that's my overall goal. But I wouldn't say it's a long-term goal uh, because, as I said to you, I run a couple other businesses. And, you know, I I want this still to be fun for me and for the hosts and for listeners and readers too.
0: Well, two out of three. Uh, so you just mentioned getting new hosts. I, I know the reason you gave me a show is because I used to call in all the time when you have friends on and you got tired of me calling in and talking. And I didn't call. I, I wasn't calling in to like usurp airtime. I just thought I want them to know people are listening. So you gave me a show, and I appreciate it. But how do you? How do you decide? I mean, when someone says someone contacts you, I don't know if it happens, but they say I'd like to do a show. You kind of have to see whether they can do it or not, right?
1: Oh yes, there's a whole process. It's a it's a month long process to go through. But generally, what happens is because I interview someone and I like mm-hmm. their voice, I like how they sound. I, I like how they speak. Um, they have thoughtful answers and the voice is right. And so I think, you know, you want let me develop a show for you. And so that's how most of it comes about. Um, other times I'll put out a little, little Facebook, you know, fluff and say, want to be a host, give me a call. And I've gotten quite a few people like that. So, um, you know, just, it just depends. Um, I'm always interested in creating more content. To me, content is king. You know what you what we, how we interact with people. So I'm happy to have more people interacting, and people who have different voices than mine.
0: Have you had to, when you send this, say uh, this Facebook query out, have to turn people down because they weren't any good? Yes, I have.
1: Well, you know. One of the things people don't understand is that we're an international digital media company, which means if you don't have a social media presence, you're doing yourself and us no good and um, One fellow said, "Well, I don't believe in using social media. I'm not on Facebook I tweet once in a while and and I went and looked at his author page and he had like you know less than ten reviews on each book, and he'd been writing for a while and you know, I know who he is. And I know people know him in the community. But I said, yeah, but you don't have a social media presence. And uh, he said, well, my 16-year-old daughter does, and I'll I'll have her do it. And I said, "You write in war crime fiction, and it's pretty gritty, yeah. you know. So yeah. um, you have to be realistic about things. I, I would love to be able to write a book, but I don't have the talent to do that. I don't know how to write a book. I'm not crazy. I'm not going to attempt to write a book. Instead, I ask my author friends, and we... They put the, wrote a book for me,
0: and we published it. That's right, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But one of my apparently 250,000 listeners, right, uh, over the mm-hmm. uh, period of a week possibly, asked a very mm-hmm. good question. Uh, it's Elena. She asked a lot of good questions, uh, and basically she runs the show. Um, she wa- she you, you mentioned NetGalley, which anybody uh, on this end of the biz knows what that is, but uh, she doesn't know what NetGalley is, so why don't you explain NetGalley? Okay, so
1: NetGalley is a place where um, uncorrected, unedited digital copies of books that are going to be released into the future are for people who love to read. And let me qualify that by saying that that might be people in media or bloggers or reviewers or avid readers. And so you go to NetGalley.com, you can register there and um, they, you have to have a Kindle. It's the only way you're going to get a book. Um, uh, so NetGalley is kind of it's the Internet Galley system. A galley is what is we commonly refer to as an advanced reader copy, which is why I always say galley. But um, yeah. that was uh, a long time ago when they used to press books together and put a bolt through them and send them in the mail. I still have some of those. But that's what NetGalley is. Yeah
0: great, um and i think it if if you're an avid reader, a voracious reader, and you join Netgalley, it's probably a good thing if you would review books if you're gonna get just a thought. anyway um, Right, you
1: have so. to you have to be a reviewer also, so and NetGalley gives you badges for how many books you review, how often you review, and things like that. you know I'm one of their power reviewers i I'm in one of the top ten because I review so much.
0: so That's not surprising. It's really cool for the author, too, because it's really about the earliest place you get any kind of review. So, yes. it get, you know, it's it's some authors don't look at reviews. It's always nice to know where you stand, I, I think. But anyway, so it's kind of a cool place to find your first reviews. So uh, talk a little bit about your work as a victim's advocate and about Betrayed, which is the short story anthology about crime survivors that you edited and put out.
1: So, yes um a long time ago in not christmas night, 1990 i was stabbed strangled and beaten by my estranged husband and um so i was really pissed off about it really angry because this was a time before oj and domestic violence has been spoken about and um i remember Laying in the street after almost bleeding out and hearing the cops trying to figure out if they were just going to charge him for an assault or an attempted murder. And it, it, I was so angry. I was angry the way I was treated, and um, I was angry that there was a, even any question about it. I was angry that when <clears throat> I was in the emergency room, the doctor said he wasn't going to be in until the morning because it was only a domestic. I was oh my
0: angry,
1: God. So when okay. I went to see an ear, nose, and throat doctor, he said, he cursed at me and said oh this is going to end up being a damn court case. So um wow. at that time no, that, you
0: got, you got the trifecta.
1: Yeah. So at that time um Janet Reno had just been appointed the US Attorney General and she was a neighbor of mine. So um I was work I was in a special unit in the domestic violence crimes unit in Miami-Dade County. And my my victim witness counselor said, you know, they have a newspaper reporter here who wants to talk to someone who's been in the domestic crimes unit as a victim. Will you speak to them? And I said, Absolutely. And that turned out to be a headline story on the front page of USA Today as um an indented block in the story about Attorney General Janet Reno, US Attorney General Janet Reno. And mm-hmm. um they asked about it. I got my crime scene photos, I showed them what happened, I told them how callously victims were treated. And so after the trial was over, I decided to go and get certified as a victim advocate and from there worked for a couple of police departments uh, doing advocacy and seeing some of the most horrible things that people do to each other. It's really amazing. Um, so I concentrated on domestic violence and sexual assault, but I also volunteered at the Rape Treatment Center. I got on a bunch of boards. I worked for – I created a board with the Florida Department of Corrections and um, started what was called a a victim's healing program. I was doing massage therapy at the time. So we would invite clients, the victims in, who were going through counseling. And also I, I got a bunch of volunteers to do very soothing, very healing massage for them. So that's how it took off, and, you know, yeah. So the program was wonderful, and for as long as I lived in Miami, I always did something with some advocacy until my parents got sick and then I had to stop. Mm -hmm. So every year, just because I think it's important for people to remember that we all know someone who has been through the ringer. Um, I post my crime scene photos that they use at trial. Uh, just to say, you do know someone who's been of a victim of domestic violence. And, you know, and and to be aware of that for don't, don't be embarrassed, it's not your fault. Um, so that's right. really in my mantra, you know, you can live through this, you can do this. You don't have to be outspoken the way I am, you don't have to show crime scene photos. But in my outrage at what continues to be the dismissal of, of media saying, you know, a family annihilator uh, who wipes out the wife and kids and then they say this was a domestic incident in the newspaper almost sends me off the deep end. I think right. I was reeling one day and, and someone said, you should write a book, and I said, no, you guys should write a book. Let's get together and put together a a book of short stories for kick-ass victims of crime, the survivors of crime. And so that's where Betrayed the Anthology came from. And those proceeds from that book, which is still available now on Kindle or Kindle Unlimited, um, go to the Naples Sheltered for Abused Women and Children. And we have raised a lot of money. I will tell you that everybody involved in the project donated their time, their creative processes, their energies, um, including the editors. Allison Brennan, the award-winning Allison Brennan, took the lead on that, and then her editor edited it, uh, David Ivester, the publicist, did all the work for free. Um El uh, R- Rossi did the cover design at no charge. She is a, a magnificent graphic artist. And um and that's what happened. So I have books available if anybody's interested. I, I, I still have books um uh, paper books for sale and your donation to the shelter would be welcome.
0: Absolutely. What a great cause. Thank you. Obviously, you're not someone who uh, sits back and lets uh, things happen. You make them happen. So when is your next show, and who is it going to be? Okay, my
1: next show is actually on Monday, and I think I have three shows. Let's see if I can find out who it is. Yeah, so I'm interviewing um, a woman named Barbara Warner-Dean, and then Alan Leveroni is coming back, and Minnie Mm -hmm. Dark, who is – A writer from London, I believe, or maybe it's Australia. I I forget. Uh, Will be coming back. And then on Wednesday, um, independently published author Jeff Crawford, who's been on my show several times and is a really cool guy, is coming back. Seamus Heffernan from Canada. And then one of our hosts, Kevin Deutsch, who is an award-winning journalist. He also is the host of A Dark Turn. Crime, true crime fiction, um, true crime podcast. So he'll be joining me.
0: You know what? I haven't, I haven't listened to his podcast. We got to listen to that because I, I really love, I love him. I, I listen, I watch.
1: Really good stuff. True crime. Um, A A dark turn is what it's called, and it's, it's true crime. He is a true crime writer, and um, he has a couple books out, and he's a very interesting guy. He's one that I did a call out for, and he has this very deep baritone voice, kind of like Doug Lyle, and so he does a really excellent show. Excellent.
0: I think maybe I should have him on the show sometime.
1: I think you should too.
0: I'll put you together. All right. Okay. Um, I'll read one of so the books. Matt, uh, your
1: next book yes. is coming out in in December, right? What is December. Your temp- right. What is the release date, and what's the title?
0: December third. Lost tomorrow's. Um, I love that those who've been following the series, those who've followed the series from the first book or er, anywhere along, will have some answers um, to some questions they may have had throughout the series. So there's, I'm actually answering it. some questions for a change. Well, I've done it before. There I've
1: you go. You're gonna you're peeling some more onion layers away. I can't wait to talk to you about it.
0: There's a dark dark core in the middle of that onion. Uh, well, Pam, I'm glad we finally got this together. You've been avoiding me for you know six or seven months or until I called. Um, <laughs> So but funny. I do want I do want the listeners to know that this didn't just come about. That I've asked you about this before. It's just up to me to get it done. But I didn't. This is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And uh, I, I, you know, I really appreciate what it. What you do, what you do for authors, and and of course my community, the mystery authors, is fantastic. Me I think too. you know you're universally known through uh, th- through those of us that are midlisters, and of course the the you know the top tiers as well. But much appreciated what you do and what you've done over the years. Oh, oh, and, thanks, and how Matt. can people find you bet, How can people find authors on the air and you on social media if they want to?
1: So okay, so um, authorsontheair.com obviously. And then um, I have a Facebook page for Authors on the Air. There is also a Facebook page for the network, so that's Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. All of our podcasts go there and then feed up onto our website. You can also go in soundcloud.com forward slash Authors on the Air. All of our shows are archi- archived there. And you can find me on Facebook at 4PAMStack, the number 4PAMStack. And I, I love having wonderful friends on there. I'm on Twitter, too, but I just don't know how to use it. It's Twitter.com slash authors on the air, and I think mine is Amstack Host. I very rarely use it. I just – I have it feed from my Facebook page. (laughs) So I'm really – I'm still a tech twit. Hey, Matt, who's on your show next?
0: It's actually going to be – I was just going to get into that after I dismissed you, but if you ask, it's Carter Wilson. I'm going to have him on the 28th. Yeah, we're going to have him on a little earlier – yeah, I'm, I'm, I've never had a mom before, and he's, he's a good guy. He's a really good writer, too, so I'm looking forward to it.
1: He's a very well, good Pam. writer. Thank you, Matt, for asking me on your show. I appreciate it, and thank you to your listeners. And I hope you have a great weekend.
0: Thank you. Thank you for all you do.
1: Thanks, Matt. Bye.
0: Bye-bye. This is a copyrighted trademark podcast owned solely by the Authors on the Air Radio Global Radio Network and by Panstack. And like I said, in two weeks, I'm going to have Carter Wilson on. It's going to be, uh, let's see, 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. West, and you guys can fill in the rest. But thanks for listening, and I'll be on uh, social media so you can all have more information. Thanks for listening. All right, my music doesn't want to play, but that's the end.